We've done analysis actually of utilities themselves to figure out, hey, who are or what, which are the innovative utilities by a number of different metrics. Then part of that is we've also looked at the leadership team because I think for a lot of change to have for re- real significant revolutionary might be a strong word, but significant change to happen, it takes leadership and it takes a sponsor within the organization to do it. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. So today's guest is Reese Tisdale. He's the president and co-founder of Bluefield Research. And Reese, I got to know you from uh, the uh, work that you did when uh, you were at uh, WefTech. Uh, we met when you spoke at a conference. And then from then on, you were very uh, gracious and I was much appreciative of being invited to your breakfast meetings where you and your team give an analysis of the trends that happen within the water and wastewater uh, industry. Yeah, no, I, I remember that. And I remember the breakfast as well. So we'll see if those will continue post-COVID. We're still trying to navigate the the conference scene going forward. So, uh, you know, to be determined. Exactly. And Reese, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been invited to a couple of those breakfasts as well, but I don't know that we ever met in person at a water conference. But I certainly have heard of you, your work, and the company for years now. I think most people in the water industry probably have. And everyone speaks in very high regards. And I'm not just saying that. They're, they're impressed with the, the quality and caliber of your work. So you're doing something right. No, I appreciate that. And it wouldn't be the first time I've stood up. So, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, I'll, I'll keep sending invitations, Adam. And uh, <laughs> one of these days, we'll, uh, we'll have breakfast together. At one Perfect. Of that'd be great. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be great. great. So the first question that we have for you today is just briefly describe the work that you do and how you are telling the story about your company to the water industry. I mean, simply put, and maybe that's kind of part of the discussion today, and that is, you know, Bluefield Research, we were founded in 2013, but we're an organization in its most basic form that helps companies and organizations make better decisions when it comes to water management, water, wastewater management. That could be municipal utilities, could be industrial uh, organizations, companies, could also be just be the, the supply chain itself from the technology vendors to the uh, hardware and equipment vendors to engineering firms down to private equity investors. You know, we, we try to help anybody and everybody who's trying to figure it out. Um, some would call it market research. Others might call it consulting and advisory. We do a little bit of both. Some of it's, you know, subscription-based and some of it is consulting or bespoke. Great. So, Reese, one of the things we like to 
talk about is the storytelling aspect. And from, from our perspective, uh, you do a really good job of that. I mean, whether it's from your newsletter, the Water Waterline newsletter, uh, your Futures podcast, Future of Water podcast, your regular guest on Dave McGimsey's uh, uh, value, uh, Water Values podcast, you take a lot of time to go out there and tell the story of water. Who else is doing it right in the water industry from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's within the water industry, it's, it's tough. I think that's always a challenge. And I think even some of your guests have even uh, talked about this in the past. It's out of sight, out of mind. So the water industry as a whole kind of operates in the shadows. And I think, you know, some of the things to learn from is, you know, now is as we move forward and as you mentioned, the future of water, who can tell a good story? And I would say, you know, one of the challenges is it's very technology focused. And I don't think, you know, the layperson thinks there's a lot of tech that go into that goes into it. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, chlorine, they probably think fluoride, <laughs> or, you know, hey, that's making things better in addition to your teeth. But um, I think, you know, is I do think a lot of the engineering firms are have done a pretty good job to some level. I think one of the challenges they face, sometimes it feels like we're talking to one another um, and it's sort of getting outside of our own way. I mean, as you mentioned, Jim, we met at a conference. Well, I don't know if it was ACE or if it was WebTech. Right. It was one, one of them, one of the larger ones. And when you talk to the, when you go to these conferences, it, you know, the trade floor, certainly there's all kinds of conversations happening, but even in the conference sessions themselves, it's very engineering focused. It can be very uh, detailed. I'm not an engineer. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it and probably the last to admit it. But I would say <laughs> the, um, the one thing is sometimes it gets too hard to understand. And I think that, so when you, what's amazing is the story of water is, it is basically the most basic form of what drives or enables our lives, right? You can't live without it for more than, what, three days. But then on the other end of it, it's so incredibly technical when you start talking about membranes or the chemical treatment or dosing and, and just all the pipes and networks. Um, but I would say, you know, I think we're merging into a uh, part of the story, I think, for water where, you know, like the digital players, the big technology, the big brands are getting more involved. And I'm hopeful that the stories will become even simpler as they, you know, as they get more involved. So it's, it is a mixed bag who does it well. Um, I'd like to think we do it well. And certainly there are other organizations that do. I think your podcast does a really good job of that is just stepping back to say, hey, what is this all about? So Reese, as part of the work that your company does, you are speaking with and researching about every water company, probably around the world, quite frankly, anyone that touches water in a meaningful way. Given what you see coming from these companies, from a marketing or a sales or a storytelling point of view, what should our listeners know about those companies that you engage with that you feel are doing it extremely well? I know you mentioned engineering firms, but like a lot of the people. And not all of them, but I would sure, say some sure. of them. Go ahead. <laughs> I know a lot of the folks listening to this are going to be vendors of 
water and wastewater treatment equipment. So maybe, I don't know if you have any specific examples of a company that you think tells their story around their equipment really well that someone should should take a lesson from. Yeah, I mean, I would say, and it's I, it's easy to say, you know, there, so I, I'll pick two examples. So I would say, I think Xylem does a pretty good job. I think they've evolved. I think they've also, even their business itself has sort of transitioned a bit. I mean, they've become like we talk about hardware equipment vendors, they've transitioned to more like a digital company. I mean, they are at the forefront in many respects. It's not an easy job. They have their own struggles without a doubt, but I think they do a pretty good job of getting out in front of it and being what I would call a, I think when you talk to other vendors also across the industry, people say, oh, well, Xylem does that well. I mean, they are a big fish in a big pond or it is a very big pond, but they're a big one. And I think do a pretty good job. I think another firm that I'm really interested in of late, and maybe this is recency bias, I'll admit it, but is is a firm like 120 Water, right? They're in the, I think, at the right place at the right time. I'm not sure I would have said that six to eight months ago. I think, you know, when you're talking about lead at-risk populations, particularly the schools, that's really what they're targeting. And so, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, we can just solve that problem. But I think 120 is coming and saying like, well, you can't solve the problem until you know the problem, right? And so that's their story. And I think, top, I think, like I said, six to eight months ago, I think on their end, they were thinking like, well, we should look beyond lead. We should, you know, what should we be thinking about? But now because of obviously the infrastructure legislation, what's happening in Washington, I think the kind of tide is sort of turned once again in their favor and that there's definitely going to be money allocated to the sector that they're focused on. And there are very few firms that do what they do. So I think that's, uh, and I think it's something that people hopefully can understand um, that utilities can also, uh, or schools for that matter can understand and they can tell people, how to how to implement it or what they're doing. I think you know, is you know, it's hard to say. Hey, we should just be putting in a reverse osmosis, you know, treatment train and do this and do that. You know, that's I will say that is the engineering world. But when we're talking about telling a story um, to the broader audience, which I think is what is needed, um, I think that's a, another good example. Yeah, so we had Megan uh, Glover, the CEO, 120 Water CEO on. And one of the interesting things is that, you know, she came from outside the water industry. She was in software. And so is there anybody you can think of outside the water industry that's doing a good job of telling stories that we could kind of, you know, draw from that, that, that we can learn from? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a really good point um, where where Megan comes from. But I think, you know, we've done analysis actually of utilities themselves to figure out, hey, who are or what, which are the innovative utilities by a number of different metrics. But then part of that is we've also looked at the leadership team, because mm-hmm. I think for a lot of change to have, for re- real significant revolutionary might be a strong word, but significant change to happen it takes leadership and it takes a sponsor within the organization to do it. So we've looked at leadership to say, how long have they been in the organization? What industry did they work? Did they come from the transportation or did they come from power or gas? Um, So I think that's the really interesting point, Jim. I would say 
To that point, I mean, other industries, and I admittedly, you know, with my team, we've talked a little bit about it. And that is, I think that energy space within that space has done well. And I would say even more specifically, like smart homes or smart thermostats. Mm -hmm. Um, It's giving the layperson the information because utilities aren't going to change unless someone is forcing them to do it. And there also people aren't, customers aren't gonna pay for change unless they understand what is happening. And I think it's a pretty, it's a fairly, some would say it's simple. I would say it's pretty complex because water plays in this weird space in our lives where it is a right. I think people expect it, but also people think that distribution and supply is free um, (laughs) and the infrastructure is free, which is not. But I would say the energy space, when you look at, you know, I have a smart thermostat in my home, right? I can look every month, I get an email that says, hey, Reese, you've used this much energy. And guess what? This is how you stack up to your peers. I think it's not the easiest thing in the world to implement it uh, across the water sector, but I think there's steps and strides being made. I know there's some key partnerships with housing developers and there's some firms that are out there, not only investing, but also developing technologies to provide those sorts of insights because at the end of the day, the customer, I think they want to know that type of information. And I would say that with one caveat, it's typically a certain demographic that is either willing, has the time, the interest, and sometimes money to pay for that. Right. But I think that's okay to start, right? You have to, one, you have to start somewhere. You need, you know, the industry needs early adopters for whatever tool or mechanism um, that needs to be implemented. And that could be within the utility sector, you know, a small group of utilities that are driving it forward, serving as a spearhead, but also the customer base. Um, Cause that's really where they, admittedly they're, I think more empowered, um, and it just takes time and they have the ability to make change. So I think it's really important, but I would say the energy space, I would say secondly, not to drag on too long, is just the renewable energy space. Um, when you look at solar and wind, and I've worked in that industry in a past life. And I think the advantage it has over the water industry is that it can be very space agey. It can be really interesting. I mean, if you go to a wind farm or a solar farm, you just sort of, you can kind of see it and you can figure it out. I mean, no one really knows how the electrons are being, you know, the sun is radiating onto the solar panels and being converted and run through the inverter and everything, you know, into the grid. I don't know if it doesn't have to be that complicated, but they kind of see it and understand it. And I think that's what the water sector needs. And I think, you know, Lastly, one organization that is a poster child of sorts, and it, I don't is George Hawkins been on your on your yes. podcast, but DC Water is a good example. And sometimes it's not very serious. Sometimes I don't know if you guys have seen some of the videos they do to their customers, and they just do silly things because it has to be engaging. And I think that's important. They give tours of the of the treatment facility. They even have, I think you probably have a wedding there. I mean, they, they rent out the space. <laughs> so yeah, those are a couple examples. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals. 
showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. I love this this concept you talk about, Reese, about finding that target audience, even if it's small, even if it's niche in the early days, and then growing from there. Do you, have you come across any companies in water that you feel like have really honed in on that audience or that storytelling for a particular audience or really listening to their customers when it comes to the value of their product or service? I mean, you know, to DC Water is a good good example. I would say, you know, I do think, um, you know, someone specifically that I can't, I don't, I can't really call out any specific names that who've done really well. But I do think it's important because we can't be all things to everybody. I mean, Bluefield Research is the same. We face the same challenge. Right? We get hit by firms and organizations or and individuals all the time that say, hey, you know, can you help me out? I only have, you know, $500. And it's like, well, the problem is it doesn't cost $500. You know, I can help you. I can point you in the right direction. Um, but at some point, you know, so what we need for us to get momentum, we need to sort of go after our targets. And the challenge with water is that it is, I would say, you can see it among the vendors, right? You know, and you sort of even just in, in the short life of Bluefield, the ebb and flow of I want to be or our firm or our company should be in the industrial space. And because that's really where the actions, their dollars there, they make, there's one or two decision makers within within the organization. It can happen. It can happen easily. And then, you know, things like the energy markets collapse and, you know, it can be more volatile, right? And it is also fragmented in its own right. And so there's like, oh, let's shift over the municipal space and let's really target that. And then they're looking in the municipal space they think, oh my goodness, you know, it only grows at, you know, two and a half percent a year. And everybody in their own right is fighting over the, you know, LADWPs of the world, you know, the big, you know, 800 pound gorillas in the end among the utilities. Yeah. So those projects take a long time. So it's interesting to watch the strategies and how people convey that message to say, we're going after the municipal space. But I think it's important that they say, and make it clear to, I think, the market and have patience, but also to their, even their own supply chain, we're looking at small to medium-sized utilities. You know, we're focusing on, you know, just those in tech, you know, the MUDs in Texas, and we're, or we're just doing services. We're not doing capital equipment. Um, I think that is really, it's hard, right? And I think a number of firms, particularly outsiders, as we call them outsiders looking in, you know, that could be big tech. It could be just a private equity firm that sees an opportunity in water. And they come to us, they say, we're going to get into water. We're going to go buy a bunch of utilities and kind of have to step back and say, all right, let's set expectations about how the different, um, you know, streams of the industry flow. You know, some move faster than others, but you kind of have to pick your targets because money is not, just because you have a bunch of money isn't always a solution. I'm certain of that. Be nice to have, but I'm, and I'm sure it is, but yeah, that that's not the solution that people are looking for. Good stuff. So Reese, Jim and I have 
you know what, Jim, we've bought it now. We've become successful podcasters. We've made so much money doing this that we are going to buy an airplane. And this airplane, Reese, we will allow you to fly around the world in front of every single water professional's home. And this plane has a banner on the back of it. And you basically get a tweet's worth of characters to put any message in front of every water professional around the world. What do you want that banner to say? All right. So I, I, I've listened to your podcast before, so I was somewhat prepared, I think. We'll see. But I want to preface it with one thing that I thought was really interesting, actually listening to another podcast a while back, probably several years ago. And it was, how do you design a state flag? Because you have to remember, they're really small. And when you see them, they're really the size of a postage stamp. So you have to be really clear what you say. You only have so much space. So you can put all the Latin and you can draw your, you know, all the fancy fonts and characters. But when you put it on top of the state capitol, or, or in this case, drag it behind an airplane, no one's going to be able to read it or see what it says if you're not clear. So I want to, um, I'll just keep it simple. And like, I would like to just say Bluefield Research, you know, hey, visit us. That's not really fair. I'll say water strategy matters. And I think that's really what people need to think about from, and I look at it from obviously a business uh, side of the equation um, predominantly or primarily. And that is because people need to have a water strategy. And I think that is becoming apparent. Um, You see it among the corporates, you see it among the industrials, uh, even the municipals. I think there's even a lot of, uh, utilities, they, you know, they sort of assume that business is going to happen, right? And and in many ways it does, but what ends up happening is across the industry or users of water, they're increasingly empowered. So if a company is, you you know, a company can decide, hey, we're going to do on-site reuse. We're going to treat it. We're going to reuse it. We're going to use less. We're going to send less. We're going to save money because we're sending less to the you know, wastewater treatment plant. Therefore, the utility is going to make less money. And then the utility says, oh my God, we've got to do upgrades or we've got to maintain our system. We don't have enough revenues. And they don't always know. So I think really what I'm interested in is the is the strategy piece of it, that every organization and every person for that matter um, has a strategy for how they use water, how they use water and water services. So Water strategy matters. There you go. Yeah. It'll fit on the post-it stamp too. Yeah, no, that's great, Reese. And you know, what I like about that is that if you think about the water industry, I mean, it's about process, right? And so, you know, it's a water treatment process. It's a step-by-step way of taking dirty water and making it into clean water. And if you think about that in terms of marketing and selling your products or services, it has to come down to that process, a strategy around taking those step-by-step messages and, and, and telling them the story. So I think it's really appropriate the way you, you put that together. So really well done. No, I, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I think I will admit it, you know, I played around, you know, there are lots of different ways. Um, but like I said, focus on the stamp, it's going to be flying high. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where we stand. Right. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. 
Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing as well. I think it's, uh, you've got great energy, you've got great guests, um, excluding myself. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I like it. So I'm a big, big fan, big listener and look forward Appreciate to seeing uh, both of you at an next Bluefield Breakfast. Yeah, yeah, For sure. Absolutely. Thank you.